Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Once again, we got Jason Theobald in the house. Jason, how's your Thursday going, man? You know what? It's not not too bad, but you know, it's it's rainy here. It's cold. We're on quarantine, so I'm not my usual chipper self. But otherwise, you know, it's a pretty pretty decent week. Well, I'll be the chipper person today. I've got my white trash energy drink. I had to crack it a little bit early, so you know, I'm getting ready to knock that back and get some get some liquid energy in me, so to speak. I, I am I, sipping a coffee to try to help. Yeah, well, it won't be long. It'll be summer, and coffee for me yeah, will go that's away. What I'm for. Um, man, let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about these reviews. Fuck, we've got you know about 300, so we just want to say thank you. And we always start the show, and we ask people, please hit pause, please leave a review. They really, really help. Guys, it only takes a second, and you, you all are crushing it. We've got a lot of downloads, man, like almost 40,000 downloads. We need. There's a lot of people out there listening that aren't leaving reviews. Guys, if you like this podcast, please just leave us a quick review. It really helps us. We're starting to move up the charts. I'm getting some emails with rankings and stuff like that. I think we were oh, yeah. in the fitness in the fitness um, charts, which is pretty good, man, because all we have is just really just kind of me and you and everybody that's sharing it. So it's not like we've got a bunch of people with shit tons of social and we're not right. throwing money into this. So like right. you guys are the grassroots, like you're the ones that's driving this and we really appreciate that. So long story short, long winded question is please go ahead and leave us a review. Um, what's new with you this week, man? Um, you know, not a whole lot. I mean, uh, pretty steady week here business wise. Um, I will say that, um, I'm getting, uh, still a lot of, um, inquiries for my hormone, um, slash metabolic adaptation class where I teach you how to fix it. And, um, I already took more this go than I usually do. I usually take 10 and I think I'm at 13 or 14. So I've had to turn some people away. So bottom line is everyone, if you're listening and you do still want to take that course, I will re uh, run it in May. Um, so after this weekend, when this next one is over on the 26th, I will send a new date out. And so just be watching my um, stories and my, um, my feed and and then, you know, I'll, I'll give you my email and you can shoot me an email and, and get registered. So sorry that I had some turn some people away, but if you get too many on those calls, then the question and answers, uh, it just, it lasts, it lasts forever. And the presentation is already about two and a half to three hours because it's a really in-depth topic. So that's, uh, my one update I wanted to give today. And then at some point I will be doing one on gut health. We're going to cover all my protocols from how I fix acid reflux, how I get people off PPIs. Um, how I fix SIBO, how I put IBS dormant, all these different protocols I do uh, will be in that. And it's going to be really valuable, um, whether you suffer from it or whether you're a coach and you really need to learn how to fix people uh, in these ways. So those are my updates right now. Yeah, man. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put both of our emails in the show notes. I started doing that in the last podcast um, because people that want to reach out for more information, it's probably easier just to email both of us than our social because if you email me on my, if you message me on my social, I'm going to be like, Hey, send me an email because that's how I stay organized with my classes. And, and I did my first one this past Sunday and, um, it was insulin sensitivity resets and I tied some cortisol, um, in there with it. And dude, I ended up selling out three, I had to create three classes. I had like 25 people. So yep. I, it, it was my first time using zoom like that sharing screen. It's, it's a super cool platform. And and I did five in my first class and then I did 10 in the second. 
And I'm not going to lie. I felt like a truck fucking ran over me after teaching two classes in one day. So I'm probably just going to keep it to one class. I've got one more That's class coming up. One. Yeah. I mean, I was mentally drained. I couldn't train that day or anything. I'm like, well, you know, this will, Sundays will be my day to teach these classes. And the cool thing about these classes that we do, and, and I'm not just trying to plug these so we can make money. Like these are classes to where I know your people are getting full protocols that they can use themselves. They can use with their clients. It's same with my insulin sensitivity class. And it's going to be the same when I do advanced ketogenic dieting in May. You'll do the same thing whenever you do a gut health one. And you know, if it's going to be May or where it's coming up, we're giving you guys these protocols so you can actually reference them and use them. I mean, Jason, I use, I use your protocols from the physique summit when you first gave this class, the very first time you gave the talk. I mean, these protocols are, are what we're all using and it's the same with mine. So if you guys want more information on some of that stuff, just check out our emails there in the show notes. So man, this topic today, it, this is going to be a fun one, man. We were talking before we started recording, you know, hit versus steady state cardio. I did a podcast on this back in 2016 with Dr. Jacob Wilson. Um, and he was pretty hot back in the day. He did, he did a podcast him and Lane did back when they did uh, muscle college radio. It was pretty cool. It was like 2013, it was pretty cutting edge. And then um, I had him on and we did one in 2016. And, you know, I went back and I looked at the show notes for that. And I looked at all the stuff we talked about. And I'm like, you know, the TNT podcast was cool. I loved hosting it. But this is the fucking next level. Like this podcast is the next level. And the way we're going to be able to dig into this, once you guys see how we're going to kind of peel this apart, this is going to help bring the listeners to the next level. This isn't going to be a rehash of what we talked about on TNT. If you guys are an old TNT podcast listener, this is going to be, this is going to be next level. And that's what all of our, that's what all of our episodes are going to be about. Um, you know, this is something that I know for me, I I've taken this to the extreme man and I'll talk about it. Some of my experience, I've taken my clients to where they've just done hit for like two fucking years. Um, I put people with two hours of cardio and no hit like, yeah, we, we're not going to talk too much on this episode. I think we'll do kind of a part two where we'll talk about fasted and stuff like that because there's just not room on this one. Um, but Jason, when did you, I like to step back. Um, yeah. when did you start kind of comparing hit and steady state. Was it right out of the gate? Like back in the, you know, 2007, 2008 timeframe for you, or was this, were you more of a steady state guy? When did you start kind of comparing the two and trying to see what was, what was quote unquote better? Well, I'll tell you. Um, so my first show I ever did, my, um, coach at the time, um, he was a competitor. I don't, wouldn't really call him a coach. He was just helping me out. Um, he didn't believe in cardio, so I did none. And then my next year, um, the guy who helped me out was at Beverly international and, um, he believed in hit cardio. And so he had me doing hit, but he had me doing it before my training. So that was a little misguided, but I got in a lot better shape. And that year I'd added more muscle for my first show and I was a lot sharper and I started winning. So early on since 2002, I had been introduced to hit cardio. So we're going almost back 20 years. And um, I think at the time I was doing an interval that was a minute long. So, you know, at the same time, you know, and I know that you're not really able to bust your ass as, as intense as we're really talking about on hit if you're doing an interval that's a full minute, at least not when you're on limited calories. Um, so, you know, I then uh, met uh, a guy online, Tipsta, which we've referenced before, and he did my plans. And this is around 2007. 
and he was all lists. Like, get that hit out of there. Um, do all this cardio. The hit, you know, is going to make you burn muscle as a natural athlete, and uh, it's going to shrink your legs. Um, he called it cardio respiratory. And, <laughs> you know, list was, you know, you're burning fat while you're doing it. And, and that's true. Um, but uh, so that was the far end of the gamut. And then, you know, I started to realize, well, shit, man, this does work, but I'm doing up to an hour and a half a day and it's so damn time consuming. And at that point, when I started prepping people and lives, you know, not everyone had an hour and a half, two hours to do facet list and train for an hour and a half. So that's when I started comparing the two and trying to look at right around 2008 and trying 2009 and trying to figure out what was the best mix of hit and, you know, list type cardio. So that's kind of my lead up to it. Yeah, man. So it's, it's one of those things I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I started back in like 2000, the old body for life hit cardio mm -hmm. was like, you do a minute on, you know, running yep. on a treadmill at level six, then you'd bump it up to level yep. seven. You'd run I, for another minute. I ran that program too. Yep. Yeah, man. And um, it was fast. It hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it, fast. It hit. Yeah, which, like I said, I'm trying not to take us down that rabbit hole right, right. now. Um, but yeah, man, like that, it, I did that. Like I would run around the track in college. Like that's how I did it. Um, and I would just kind of time myself and just go a little faster if I didn't have a track. I did the bike, but yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of, that's kind of where I got it. And then when you and I prepped, um, that's when I started. I would do a couple days of hit. I think I think you had me on one or two. It's been, fuck, I mean, it's 10 years ago. Um, yeah. I would do like, little bit of hit, but I was doing a lot of, a lot of steady state because that's yeah. how we did shit back in the day. And it was kind of a mix there, but it was probably 2010. That's when I started to bring out a lot of clients was 2010. I would usually have somebody doing two or three days of hit. And then on their other days, I would have them do the steady state. So I kind of started, started out there and we're not going to get into too much more detail here. We're just trying to kind of set the scene. Um, Man, I, I do want to talk about, because our show is real big on um, the natty and assisted side, what we kind of see typically, and I think it's kind of a history type thing. I know from the natural side, man, hit's more common. We see a lot more people doing hit. And I think a lot of that has to do with some of the coaches that kind of paved the way for natural bodybuilding, the Dr. Joes, the Lanes. I know Cliff and I kind of stepped in there pretty heavy right around 2010, 2011, and we all were proponents for hit, um, at least using some of it a couple days yeah. a week. Yeah. And it's, you just see more natty guys doing it. And then on the assisted side, it, we always saw the big guys, man. Like that's who we all looked at. It, and I'm talking about from my standpoint, you know, prior 2010, you know, you're reading muscular development, you're reading flex. Like these guys aren't fucking doing hit. They're 250 no. pounds on stage. Like they're, they're not going to fucking do hit. So then it kind of trickled down to where you didn't see a lot of assisted athletes doing it because why the big guys don't do it. Why the fuck should I? And that was always yeah. my kind of, my kind of take on it. Is that, is that, would you agree with that? Is that kind of how you saw it kind of start to take off, you know, around 2000 to 2010? Yeah. I mean, that was certainly a debate on, you know, most of the boards and, you know, that's where we cut our teeth. It was, you know, people would, you know, one of their facts for going against hit would be, well, if you look at all the pros, um, all they do is walk. And, you know, was that completely true? I don't know. I mean, I have a video of Ben Pakulski busting his ass on hit intervals that I share with my uh, clients and they were calling them wind gates and running, you know, labs. And he was a lot thicker than while he was doing it. So I just think that um, a lot of the guys that were getting the spotlights 
weren't using it. Um, but you know, I think that to apply that down to every other athlete is, is misled because the guys at the top have phenomenal genetics. They're lean year round or they only got to drop, you know, 10 pounds of fat for the show. And, and then same time they're gaining 20 because their cycles are so high, you know, so, um, they might not need that hit, but, uh, yes, it, that was a big argument on the boards. If the pros aren't doing it, we shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And by the way, I've got a cool Ben Pekulski story to tell um, as we get later on in the show, because I was down at the University of Tampa with him and Jacob Wilson in the lab. I think it was 2014 was the year 2015. I can't remember. I went twice um, and he was in there doing it. And and I really got to pick their brains behind the science of why. And a lot of that stuff is is what I use with my clients and what we're going to talk about today. So I've got a cool story to tell a little bit later. Jason, how I've got this set up is I figured we would just do this this way. We talk, we define, you know, steady state cardio, the different types, the benefits and the negatives. Then we do the same with hit, and then we break it down and talk about natty versus assisted. And then kind of what we like to recommend is starting points. Like if, you know, there's coaches out there, somebody just doing their own prep. Um, so with that being said, let's go ahead and define steady state cardio, you know, medium intensity and light intensity, steady state, it lists as you like to call it. What's, yeah. what's your definition of, um, of lists? Because people, whenever yeah. they hear you talk, they hear you say lists a lot. So if, if guys, if you don't know what Jason's talking about, he's about to tell you now. Yeah. So light intensity, steady state. So obviously it's, um, it's, it's not super intense. Okay. Um, I explain it to my clients, uh, be around 110 beats per minute to 120. Um, but I'll be honest with you when I do it myself personally, I rarely, I rarely crack 90. Um, but I played soccer all my life and I have a 47 was a resting heart rate. So getting up to 90, that's still, you know, almost 50 beats ahead of my normal. And to get up to 120 for myself, I literally got to jog. But most people aren't like that. So it's around 110 to 120 would be a nice pace for a list um, uh, list type, you know, cardio. What about for medium intensity, steady state, miss cardio? Yeah, like so I would have people like on a really fast walk or I would have them jogging. So, um, you know, if hit is 160, then, you know, your miss might be around 140 steady, somewhere around there, 135, 140 and just hold it steady. So, you you know, at miss, you're not really gonna be able to hold on, carry on a conversation with someone for a, a extended time. List, you could. So I always tell people that too. Like, you'll be able to like do this briskly. You could do lists in the neighborhood with, with a partner and you'd be in the heart rate zone. But miss, you're not gonna be able to keep talking through it the whole time. You're gonna start to get out of breath and you're gonna be around 140s or so. Yeah. So <clears throat> some good examples of stuff like that is like you said, walking around the neighborhood. Like I, I tell people, Hey, if you have dogs, go walk your dog. Um, and, and I'm <clears throat> sorry, man, I think we're both coughing up and hacking shit up. I think it's just mm-hmm. the pawn count. So we apologize to our listeners, but you know, I tell people, you know, go out and walk your dog, go have a stroll with, with your husband or wife or go walk and listen to a podcast, you know, that ride a bike. If you have a bike to me, that's perfect because then you can measure your, your heart rate, make sure you're not getting too high. Um, things like miss, you know, that's, that's where we see people walking on a treadmill with an incline of, you know, four and they're walking, they're hoofing it and they're, they're getting to 130. I tell my clients on, on my sheet when I send it to them, um, I don't have any, I don't have them do lists at all. Mine's just all miss. Um, and I just tell them, Hey, 
get to 130 heart rate and then do, you know, if you're going to do 20 minutes cardio, it's one, it's, it's at 20 minutes. So, you know, all those examples, elliptical, a bike, I think a lot of people don't understand. They, I think they just go by the time and they don't really, they don't really push. If you get to 130 heart rate for most people, you're fucking pushing. Like, unless you're just really bad out of shape, but you know, one, 130, you should be pushing. Like Jason said, you shouldn't be able to talk to the person next to you. If you do, it's not very not long. for an extended time. I mean, you could say a few words, but if you're in a true miss session, you're, you're going to eventually, you know, that's going to get you out of breath. You're not going to maintain your pace. Yeah. And so, you know, the interesting thing with steady state cardio is, you know, whenever we train, we use glycogen and use carbohydrates for fuel. Whenever you do steady state cardio, for the most part, especially lists, like whenever you do lists, you're using all basically almost all fat for fuel. And, um, you know, miss cardio is pretty much the same, even though, you know, some of the stuff I've looked at you do, you do burn some glycogen on there. I mean, it does cause muscle damage and we're going to get into that. But yes. for the most part, it's something that people are, are using fat for fuel. And I guess, Jason, if now's ever a time, I guess you could talk about, um, because people want to know about fucking fasted cardio and that's fine. And, and I don't mean to say it like that, like I hate it because I don't, but if there's ever a time for fasted cardio, I think you've got the perfect protocol for it. That's where you're plugging in lists over miss. Correct. correct. Yeah. I never use mist. I, I never use it. Um, because a lot of people are doing it fed. Um, and I, I don't bother with it. I, I use lists and I'll use it fasted or I'll use it post-workout when liver glycogen zapped and you're going to have a better chance of getting right into fat loss with the least amount of pounding to the body. So that's my thinking on it. So a lot of my clients, once it's time to burn fat, uh, we are going to switch over to lists cardio um, and we're going to do it fasted if their schedules permit. So let's talk about um, the benefits of steady state because there are definitely benefits. To me, it's it's the most popular form of cardio, and I think that goes back to kind of what you said. You know, it's just so damn hard to do. A lot of people, I mean, it's fucking hard. Like a lot of people, they want to avoid what's hard. Um, so let's let's go ahead and talk about some of the benefits. Um, it's definitely easier. That's the first thing that I have written down here. Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot easier in your CNS, like it, yes. and you know especially list to miss how many how many people are you really having to worry about when do you start to worry about people cns and recovery when it comes to list cardio uh versus miss yeah i mean i i i'm not really that worried about a cns with list cardio i'm worried about more of the program in total so like you know, well, are their calories so low? Are they training too many days? All of that's going to go into it. Whereas, you know, if you're at a hit, I can definitely say, all right, this, this is attributing directly to uh, our inability to recover and, you know, staying too much sympathetic driven. I don't really see that much with lists. And so, and then since I don't use miss, you would have to speak on that. But uh, with lists, I don't have a huge concern on the CNS directly from that but you still have to look at the totality of the program. Right. And that's, that's why I've got, you know, one of the benefits is just steady states, just easier all the way around. It's easier on your body. It's easier to recover from Correct. Um, some other things I have written down, you know, it's more readily available. I mean, like you said, you just walk yes. it, go walk outside if you have to. I mean, during a time like this, everybody should be able to get in their list or their miss, whatever steady state. Oh yeah. Really like this is not a problem. Um, and you know, these days you can watch, you know, whether you go to the gym and you watch, you know, a TV that's on the treadmill, 
Or these days you just pop up your smartphone on the bike or the treadmill and you watch wherever the hell you want. Dude, when I was the last time I prepped in 2010, I'm fucking sitting there trying to read magazines. I'm doing two hours of that shit a day at the end. Yeah. And I'm trying to read magazines. Like it at one point I pull out my laptop and set it next to me on a on a stool. Yep. And I'm sitting there like answering emails and like searching the boards and like doing all this stuff. You know, even watching YouTube back in its early stages. Like you would do anything you had. Like these days it's a hell of a lot easier. And that to me is a benefit because you can watch Netflix. You can yep. lose yourself. Like yes. Dude, so much better. I don't think people understand what it was like prior to probably, I'd say 2010, just how hard doing a lot of steady state was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Listen to and I got up to about two hours almost for the Northern Kentucky show when I did it. Um, and I was doing a lot of DVR stuff, but we didn't have Netflix then. And um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, uh, it, was, it was a pain in the ass, but yeah. <laughs> You take your, you pick your poisons. Yeah. We don't want to hear anybody bitch is what we're trying to say. We're the two old guys in here. Don't we want to hear you bitch. Let me tell you about when it was snow uphill both ways. Right. <laughs> um, it is uh, to a lot of people, man, it's, uh, it's more enjoyable. You know, I, I think people think it's just more enjoyable. They can, they can do all these things. And the other thing, man, is if you're injured, if you're injured, yeah. You can't necessarily do hit cardio like, and it, you know, there's all kinds of forms of hit that we'll talk about bad ropes, sprints. Um, dude, a lot of people, if you're injured, you can usually do steady state. So it's, it's one yeah. of those things. Um, any other benefits that you can think of that I left out? Well, here? on the injury side, I, I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, you're less to be, you're less likely to be injured doing it. I mean, like if you're out running sprints and you're someone who doesn't do that very often, the likelihood of tearing a hamstring or a pool or something or, you know, bumming out your knee is a lot higher than just walking in the morning on a treadmill or around your neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. And you know, one other, one other thing too is, is it does only burn fat during exercise. So, you know, it, it is one of those things to where if you're not using carbohydrates, you're not using a lot of glycogen. So your body can use that for training. So that to me is, is a benefit just for people to think of. Um, Let's move on to some of the negatives. The first thing I have written down is, and a lot of people don't realize this. And remember, we're talking about hit versus steady state here. So one of the one of the negatives to steady state, man, your body can adapt to it so easily. That's why a lot of people do end up doing two hours a day. Because Jason, I've seen with my clients, and, and this is the way I always watch for mine. So like, you know, if I have somebody doing 20 minutes a day, four days a week, right? And I want to bump them up to 25 minutes or I want to bump them up another day or however, however you want to do it. It's usually about two or three weeks to where I'm going to need to change it again. And it seems to be you just have to change it more often. And, and I've just noticed clients just seem to adapt to it a lot faster because it's not so hard on your body. Um, are you seeing that as well? Yeah. I mean, that, that seems to be the case. Um, it, it's, it's different for everyone, obviously. I mean, there's sometimes where you kind of hit a threshold and it doesn't really seem like you have to, um, add it anymore on people, but for the majority of people, you know, unfortunately, you know, as you diet and you diet and you've got those, you know, metabolic adaptations happen, the cardio just isn't doing anything but maintaining them. So, you know, I do see it more where you're, you're going to have to bump it more often. Right. Um, you know, one of the interesting things, we're going to get a little scientific here, and this is, this is where I really started to pay close attention to this whenever I started to look at the research. 
um, man, research, and, and, and I'm going to talk more about the medium intensity steady state. I don't think this really applies when it comes to lists, and I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to get your, your thoughts on this, but here's what happens when you do a lot of median, medium intensity steady state. It's, it's very, it causes a lot of muscle damage, and a lot of it's on the eccentric portion um, of the movement. You know, a lot of people are running and jogging, which, you know, in some of the main analysis put together, like that was the number one thing that caused muscle loss was when people fucking jog. Mm -hmm. So, um, it causes a lot of muscle damage, but here's what was interesting and studied is that it also blunts protein synthesis. So think about this. Yeah. Whenever you train your legs, you turn protein synthesis on, that's the signal for them to grow and recover and get bigger and stronger. Or if you're dieting, you try and maintain well, steady state cardio does the opposite. If you do a lot of it, and I'm talking about miss again, if you do a lot of it, it blunts protein synthesis. So think about that. If you're training your legs, but you're doing a lot of steady state cardio, you're beating the shit out of them, and you're blunting that hormonal response, protein synthesis, it's no wonder we see a lot of people, they do lose leg size because yeah. they're doing a lot of treadmill, you know, you know, incline walking or jogging and stuff like that. Um, but man, I, there's no research on light intensity, steady state. And that's why I'm really, really interested to, to get your take on that. And I guess all you can do is really just notice what your clients are looking like as you diet them down. What do you think? Right. Do you think that applies there? Or do you think it's more just medium intensity? Man, I mean, you know. Interesting, isn't it? It is. I mean, with I think without a study, obviously, I can't say definitively, but I will say that um, – I feel like with a mix of lists, the way I do it and hit, I don't see many of my clients' legs um, atrophying. In other words, I'm not witnessing a lot of, um, you know, flat legs and, you know, all that stuff that comes along with um, more jogging and stuff. I will tell you, I had five women clients when the pandemic hit and all this and everyone was stuck at home on their own, they decided, well, I'm not going to do lists. I'm going to go jog. Every single one of them was up three to five pounds that yep. week. And I said, what is going on? What did you change? Well, you know, because I'm not burning as much while I'm weight training. I thought I would jog for my list. I'm like, like, I didn't tell you to do that. I was like, you're inflamed. Um, you know, you're more sympathetic dominant right now. I was like, well, let's cut that back out and uh, get back to the program. Everything's going to be fine. If I have to adjust calories down, I will. And of course that, that left immediately, but you can see if someone was doing that day in, day out, uh, on reduced caloric intake, all the training, it's, I just don't think it'll be a great recipe. No, I don't either. And that's, that's the other thing too, that I want to get to is, Man, you just notice cortisol is elevated so much. Um, inflammation is so high when people start to get a ton of it in. And I don't want people to be scared of doing 20 minutes three or four times a week. That's not what we're really kind of talking about here. We're talking about when you're doing a lot, especially it's the tail end of prep. Like a lot of people, we just have to go there. They have to get there. Um, but that's it, it. I mean, I see people start out and they do a lot in the beginning. And because it, they adapt to it so easy, they do end up doing a shit ton. And the next thing you know is they're eight weeks out and they still have fucking 12 pounds to lose and they're doing two hours of cardio. Like it's, that's just a recipe for disaster. So, you know, not only does it promote high cortisol, um, the other thing that it's tied to is, you know, higher cortisol means slower metabolism. So, I mean, we've talked about that in episode two a ton, like 
cortisol is fucking enemy number one to me. Like it just, you know, it's become apparent to me the last few years. Cortisol is enemy number one in this kind of a situation. Um, man, I can't believe they, they just, I get it. Like people think that, well, Hey, I want to go jog. Like I want to work harder. Um, yep. but they don't, were they doing it fasted by the way? No, no, they weren't. There was just okay. about three or four times a week at 30 minutes. Um, I'll, I'm just, after seeing that, like across the board, I'll never be a, a jog, you know, type coach. I never was, but like that was enough to seal the deal for me. Um, I just don't like any jogging at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough and I'm a miss guy. So it's, it's one of those things, but my clients don't do a ton of it, which we'll, we'll get to later on in the show. Um, you know, this also talks about, um, I've seen strength loss. So like with a lot of my clients that end up doing a lot of miss, I do see their strength rapidly goes down in their legs. And to me, it's just tied to, you know, we see legs are just under recovered, you know, depending on the type of miss. Um, anything else here that you can think of that are negatives? Um, uh, I got one more. Um, okay. While you're thinking time, um, like you said earlier in there, like if you're doing two hours a day, think about it. Yeah. This is, this is bodybuilding. So like our gym time is definitely our most precious time. So normally people are waking up, they're doing it first thing in the morning, then they go train in the afternoon, they get off work, and then they're doing their cardio again right after. So like if somebody's doing two hours a day, that's a lot of time in the gym. Uh, we're going to get to the benefits of, of doing HIT, but there's definitely a huge, huge difference in the amount of time. Um, what else, man? What else is a negative that we can think of here? You know, there has been some discussion, um, and I don't know how much time spent doing list or miss this requires and i don't know if it's more prevalent in one or the other um but you got it somewhere pick your poison so i mean i i know it exists but i don't worry about it too much but they talk about um and maybe you know there was this, an exact study that you might know yourself but where too much steady state can cause more of the fast twitch muscle fibers to be more prevalent um rather than fast twitch and we you know the more fast twitch you have um the the better off you are building muscle so it causes the slow twitch to be even more prevalent um than your natural genetic makeup i don't know how true that is but i can imagine it if you were doing two hours of steady state you know a day for for many 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 weeks i could see that argument being there um and then, you know, it's, you're again, less likely to build muscle, uh, or save muscle if the slower twitch are, are becoming more prevalent. I've heard that argument, man. I'm going to have to dig into that. That's interesting. I would, uh, I would definitely like to see if there's something out there on that. Um, okay. So that kind of finishes up the whole, the whole talk on steady state. I did have to reach into my fridge here next to me. So I'm going to have to crack another one of these to get going. And oh, this man. is, <laughs> this is my favorite part here. It's actually just a diet soda. So okay. this is my favorite part here. We're going to start to talk about hit and it's my favorite because I know a lot of people don't know the things that we're about to start talking about because steady states by far the more popular choice. And I do want to reiterate, it's the middle of the show. I do want to reiterate the reason why Jason and I do this podcast is not we don't always try and give you, Hey, this is the exact way to do it. Just do it this way. We like for you guys to think because that's the way we're both built. Um, think about the way the body works. Take this information, apply it to yourself. Or if you're a coach, apply it to your clients, see what works well for you and them, and then make your own protocols and make your own decisions. And I know 
Jason, I, I've changed my mind fuck four or five times on this topic, probably in the last decade. You're you're probably the same, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so that that's kind of our goal here for our listeners. Let's uh with that being said, let's talk about hit. Let's define hit. Um, hit is high intensity interval training. And a lot of people confuse what we talked about earlier, like the body for life type stuff, or maybe just, you know, like some circuit hit is what I call it with actual high intensity interval training. So let's, let's define both. Um, you know, I call one mitt and I just, I don't even know if that's a thing. I made it up, but it's medium (laughs) intensity interval training. I don't know. It makes sense. And that's where you see people like they'll do stations. It's kind of like EMOM training, like every minute on the minute where you go from one station, slam balls, you go to the next station, you're doing like thrusters with dumbbells and air squats and stuff like that. And by the way, that's cool if you guys like that, but that's not high intensity interval training. Um, That's, it's kind of a mix between, you know, a lot of CrossFit places do stuff like that. Yeah, they do. Yeah. With, with group training, with personal trainers, like that's not what we're talking about there. To me, I think there is a place for that. I think it's less hard on your CNS, but you know, we're not really going to talk too much about that on the show. We want to actually define hit. And that's something to where whenever I tell my clients, I've done multiple videos on this as well. That way they have an example, but I tell my clients, this is max effort. Like if your life depended on this interval, you better go so fucking hard that you almost have to peel yourself up off the floor. And it's something to where you go 15 to 30 seconds as hard as you can. And then you recover for a minute or maybe two. Like I don't really care so much about the recovery. I care more about as long as you're ready to go on that interval, you go. So, you know, examples that we can give are like sprints, the battle rope, um, I, I love the, the I love the bike. Uh, yeah, the, I was about uh, to say, tell, take someone through your bike hit real I quick. I use a spin bike um, with a Tabata interval, um, you know, for my phone, and I set those at fifteen uh, in a minute. So fifteen seconds on uh, to twenty seconds is what I'll do in my prep all the way through, and then I'll usually take a minute uh, to recover. And I'm I'm usually pretty good with a minute. Um, I know some people need more, but again, I think my years of playing soccer all the way up through college, you know, running seven miles a game has kind of made me a little bit more cardiovascular, um, advanced. So I do 15, uh, hard as can be on a spin bike. And during that I crank up the resistance and I like to start, uh, pedaling hard when I got maybe two or three seconds left in the rest phase and then transition into that so I can actually get it higher and then just crank on through to the point where I get to like, you know, when I'm getting close to 15 or 20, I'm really having a hard time moving it. Um, and you know, I'm really struggling and gasping for air and you really want that heart rate above 160 just cranking. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of hit on the spin bike and man, I actually did a video in 2014. It's on, it's on team Gorman's YouTube. Just, just Google or Google just YouTube team Gorman spin bike hit. It's got like 55,000 views. It's crazy. Um, and I don't know why, maybe just because the word spin bike and hit are together in the title. I don't know. Um, but it takes you through exactly what Jason just said. And that's, that's the way the last time I dieted, that's the way I always did it. And it's brutal, man. Like the leg pump doing hit on a bike is almost, it's almost as, I mean, I can compare it to some leg workouts, man. If you yes. do like 10 intervals, like you're fucking spent. Like you're oh, 10, out. Yeah, you'd be exploding. <laughs> yeah. I try to stay at five if I can. I'll prep and just add one, you know, another day of it. 
Um, but yeah, like 10 is almost like another leg workout. You got to, if you were doing like five or six of those a week, you got to pull back on your leg training some. Oh yeah. And we're definitely going to get there because as we're about to talk about like this shit will brutalize you. Um, there's some other cool stuff you can do. You can push a sled, pull a sled. I mean, you can just do sprints outside sprints up a hill. Um, but I like battle ropes next. Yeah. That, that was, Um, that was the next one. Give your legs a break. And you know, I remember, um, uh, my first attempt at pro card and classic, I only had seven weeks to diet for it. And I had done a warm up show in six weeks and I got back from that warm up show and I was in okay condition, but I mean, I don't even diet in six weeks and I'm getting ready to go freaking do a pro qualifier. And so I needed more hit, but like I'm in my final peak week. So I switched over to all battle ropes and literally did hit all the way up to Friday before the show. And I made drastic changes between that time. Um, but I was just cranking them out, but it let my legs relax. And so they could dry out some for the, for the show. Yeah, man, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I usually try, and we'll talk about our recommendations. I try and pair that up with the body part people are training. So like, you know, if they're, if they're going to train legs, yeah, go do five hit afterwards on the bike, um, kind of finish your legs off instead of, you know, training legs today and then trying to do your, you know, hit the day before legs on a bike, then you train legs and the day after you're doing hit on a bike, like they can just get fucking brutalized. So I, I try and pair it up and put battle ropes in like on upper body days, kind of like just to finish off the workout. Um, let me get back to my notes here on battle ropes. I'm real big with 30 seconds on 30 seconds off being an interval. It's kind of hard to get as out of breath doing battle ropes as it is doing a sprint or that bike. At least I've noticed, um, I, I maybe just cause the legs are just a bigger, a bigger muscle group and they fill up yeah, lactic yeah. acid a hell of a lot faster. Um, but you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say like, Hey, I pushed to the point where I feel like I'm going to puke. And while we don't want anyone to puke, like you never want no. that to happen. There should be times where if you're pushing pretty hard, you should kind of question like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why did I sign up for this? If you push it that hard without, without going overboard, it should be pretty painful. It should be brutal. The harder it is, the more benefits that you're going to see with a, with a spike in metabolism. So let's, let's go ahead and talk about that, man. The, the most interesting thing that I noticed, I learned this way back when from reading an article, Dr. Scott Stevenson, well, we need to get him on the show, by the way. Um, That'd be great. Yeah. Scott for sure. talked about the benefits of hit and steady state. And he talked about EPOC, which is basically the afterburn after the yeah. workout to where, you know, when you work out with weights or you do hit really hard, like we're talking about, you get this rise in uh, metabolic rate for like 28 there's 24 hours after yeah. the workout to where your body is. So during hit, first of all, let's talk about this. It burns glycogen. It's kind of like an extension of the workout Yep. and you burn glycogen, not so much fat, but the fat burning comes afterwards. So like say you just did upper body and then you did seven hit intervals on battle ropes. Well, you're using glycogen and stuff like that for the next, you know, half day or a full day, your metabolism spikes so much and you burn fat during this afterburn period. And that's where the fat burning comes versus steady state. You get the fat burning. Like if you're going to walk for 20 minutes, you're going to burn fat for that 20 minutes. And then when you're done, it's pretty much shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, so that to me is when I kind of first started learning about that. I think it was like 2010. He wrote something for flex. I believe it was flex. Um, when did you really start to learn more about the benefits of, of hit? Were you, were you digging into this pretty deep back then or was it later on? When did you kind of understand? No, I, it? 
I knew I I knew of that uh, afterburn probably around that time, and I, I I don't know if I just you know learned it from from the message boards, following my favorite coaches, um, but. Like I said, I'd been doing it all the way back to, you know, my first show and I did Body for Life too in the summer of nineteen ninety-nine. So but I didn't quite understand. Bill Phillips might have even explained that, but I don't think I understood that when I was doing my shows in two thousand two. But definitely by two thousand ten, I was well aware that uh, that was the main benefit. And you know, it's good to understand that because as a coach or even as an athlete programming your own stuff, that's why we don't really like hit um, in the morning fasted, although there are times when I used it and we can go over that, but generally speaking, you don't want it when you don't have much glycogen in you, because if you're not, if, if you're trying to burn glycogen and it's not there, it's going to pull from amino acids most likely. Right. So let's, let's talk about, well, first of all, here, here's that story I was going to tell you about, um, Jacob Wilson and Ben Pekulski. So, yeah. you know, Ben's a smart guy, super, super yeah, smart fair. guy, really into the science. He, he doesn't give a fuck what everybody else thinks. Like he likes to try new shit. And, you know, maybe the year was 2014. I went down there for a conference and I got to go hang out with everybody in the lab. Jacob invited me and my team down there because I took all our coaches at the time. And Ben came in, he was prepping, you know, I think he was prepping for the Arnold because this was like February. So the Arnold was coming up in a few weeks and he walks in and he's so fucking lean. It was like mid February. So he's probably like two weeks out. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking lean. Like the back of his neck had cross striations and I shit you not. I've never seen that in my life. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he walks in and he does his hit and he's doing wind gates on a bike, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to take the time to explain that because you guys aren't going to have access to it. But it's very, imagine what we're talking about on the spin bike. It's, it's even harder than that. So he was doing all this. And for the last, I don't know, I think it was 30 days or so, he, j- he didn't even train legs. He just did hit. And I can't remember if he's doing it every, every day or like maybe five times a week and doing like um, five intervals. And the interesting thing was is they actually had taken him and measured the rise in metabolic rate, that afterburn. So they had yep. him walk on a treadmill for 45 minutes and they noticed that he got about a 6% rise in metabolism, the epoch, the afterburn on steady state. And that was 45 minutes worth. And then he did five fucking hit intervals as hard as he could, just like we described. And they saw a rise in in metabolic rate of 66%. Wow. So when you start to compare the two, (laughs) you can walk on the treadmill. Now, remember, this is Ben Pokolsky, but even walking on a fucking treadmill, if you're a big muscular guy, it's going to burn calories, right? So that's when I was like, Jesus, man, like somebody can walk for 45 minutes and get a slight bump. Or they can do five intervals and be out of there in fucking five to eight minutes, you know, counting warmups. And you get this huge spike in metabolic rate. So if we're looking at people's metabolism slowing, would this be one of those things that helps give it a boost? So that's where my mind kind of started to race. And that's when, and I'll talk about it here in just a little bit. We talk about application. Dude, I started to experiment with this shit like crazy. Um, But that was that story I wanted to tell. And it was... yeah. Really it was interesting. pretty interesting, man. It was pretty, and I like to see people try new stuff like that. Um, so, from a metabolic standpoint, that's what I want to tell people. Now, think about what I just said and what I've noticed, and my clients have reported back, and you'll probably agree. 
you do hit like you really do hit and you are fucking starving. <laughs> like you are like really, really hungry. And I don't know if that's a benefit or not because like you're already hungry during prep. Um, did you notice any rise in hunger when you would do like, especially like when I came and stayed with you last summer, you're pretty lean. Like you could have yeah. like four weeks out. Yeah. Did you notice a big bump in your hunger um, after you would do a hard session? Yeah. I mean, but I love that because that tells me I can go home and eat a big meal and my glucose is, is, is low and my body's craving that food. And that's how I set all my stuff up. I, I set myself up to, to need the food. I fast until 1130, hit a big meal, go train. I do five minutes a hit post-workout. Now I need another big meal and my digestion then is always kind of flowing kind of nicely. So yeah, I definitely find that I'm hungrier. Um, but again, uh, I really welcome that. And even when I'm dieting, my biggest meals are pre and post. So, um, I still welcome that. And I, I'm one of those people that even off season, I like to have a little hunger. Uh, I know it's kind of weird. I don't mind hunger. Um, and, uh, especially prep, like I know that means things are working. So, um, yeah, I think it's a benefit really. Yeah, I do too. And you know, we, we mentioned time. So like you can compare the difference in time. So that to me is an advantage and a benefit getting back into the science and geeky stuff, you know, going back to what we said about steady state blunting protein synthesis hit does the opposite. It actually turn. It's like I said, it's like an extension of your workout. So if you go do, yeah. yeah, you go do five hard intervals on the bike you're stimulating protein synthesis. You're, you're causing your legs to try and grow and adapt. So whenever I figured all that out, you know, six, seven years ago, I'm like, shit, man, like I used to worry about my legs shrinking so much. Like I've had clients, their legs are shrinking because they're doing a lot of, a lot of steady state. What if I started a program more hit? So it, it was one of those things that really kind of turn the light bulb on for me and let me start to see to start experimenting. Um, well, I know for me, um, for the Kentucky pro, um, I had done the hurricane and I was in good shape, but I got fifth and I knew looking around, if I would have been even tighter, I would have been higher in the money and, and earned more points and yada, yada. And so when I got home, I had four weeks to get ready for the Kentucky pro. I trained seven days a week when I, um, when I prep and, um, I did five hit intervals every single day. I was in the gym leading into that Kentucky pro show. I didn't, I just, I just wanted to be peeled inside out. Like I stopped worrying about muscle loss. Like I was watching it, but my point is like, I just put my mind to the fact that if I was the most shredded guy on stage, I could win. And so I just went into that zone and I mean, I got picks. I can post them on my IG tonight and, and tag the store, uh, the, you know, the, say it's for the show, but you know, I got, I got picks in the lineup, me doing ab thighs and doing our most classic. And there's guys that are, you know, um, 220, 210 in the lineup. And my quads are just as big as theirs. And I was 178 pounds. And, you know, I was definitely uh, tighter than I was at the Hurricane Pro, but my legs just did not fade at all. And I wasn't doing really any lifts anymore. That was all my cardio because I was already in good shape. And so um, for me, that was a big kind of like, you know, wow. Okay. This, this is, this is working. And, and my legs are not only, you know, getting bigger, they're, they're staying fuller. So, um, I think it definitely turns on protein synthesis. Um, it has to, because it felt like my legs were getting bigger going into that show. Yeah, man. So that, that to me translates to when someone's dieting more muscle retention. Like if, if you're going to, yeah. if you're going to throw in some hit, um, I, I think it's going to help you hold on to your legs as long as you program it right, which will help people do here at the end of the show. Let's, let's talk about, 
um, some of the negatives though, because people yep. hear all this and they're like, fuck five minutes. I can right. do all this. It boosts yep. metabolism. I can hold more muscle, yep. blah, blah, blah. There's some very real negatives because in bodybuilding, you know, you say one thing is good and everybody goes and does the fucking extreme and I'm no yes. different as I'm about to talk about. Jason, talk about the, the negatives to hit. Let's talk about yeah. it, how it impacts the CNS um, yep. and how it can lead to overreaching, especially if your legs. Yeah. Yeah. So, because it is like another workout, you obviously have to balance number one. Um, if you are overreaching in terms of your recovery with your legs. So, you know, I was training legs twice a week and been doing only five hit intervals a day. And for me, my recovery was fine. That someone else's recovery may be very different. Um, so you've got to watch to see if your legs are feeling heavy are you losing lines, even though you should be getting leaner? You got to, you got to, you got to take all those things in consideration and watch what you're doing. Secondly, um, it's a huge hit on your CNS. It really is. And everyone is affected differently here. Okay. I have girls, uh, females that will, you know, I put them on kind of like training like a guy and, you know, trying to do the refeeds and doing all the right stuff. And their cortisol will still build up on labs. I'm seeing it left and right. And so you put someone like that on too much hit cardio, plus all the training, plus everything else. Um, you're going to be stuck more in, in, in a sympathetic drive. And basically that means that, you know, you're pumping out more cortisol, you're stuck in a stressful situation. So you've got to balance that. And that's where list comes in, in my opinion as well. But those are two really major things that you have to balance because it is kind of like a leg workout. You have to manage your volume just like you would, whether you were counting sets and reps, you have to factor in the, um, the hit cardio. Uh, the more you do, you've got to examine your leg training. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent, man, a hundred percent. And you know, another negative is it's just, it's very, very hard. So like the deeper you get into prep, the closer you get, like champions will dig in and they'll push when they hurt, like they'll do whatever it takes. But I'm telling you, when you get down towards the end, it's one of the hardest things you can do. Training, training, you can train, you can slow it down a little bit. You can take your time. Like if you feel like shit, you can listen to some music. Once you're in it, like you can kind of go at your own pace. Just make sure you get a good workout in. When you do hit, you don't have that option. Like you either fucking go or you're not. And you just get a suboptimal experience and if your body's used to going hard for the last i don't know six weeks you can't go in there and go half-assed with hit so it's one of those ones once you once you get going it, it's really really hard towards the end and that to me is it's a negative um but this is where champions step up and yeah. this is what yeah. separates people this is we're talking about you know in our case we're talking about competitive bodybuilding not just bodybuilding right um, right i mean if you want to be good you put your 100% effort into something. I mean, this is your chance to push past the other person who is thinking how hard it is, you know? And that's how I always look at it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to attack the shit out of this. And the, the more I suffer on it, the better I'm going to look over time as long as I'm managing my, my biofeedback and cues. Yeah. Um, any other negatives you can think of? I mean, obviously if someone, if someone's injured, hit's going to be really hard. I mean, you can always do yes. that. Like if your legs are injured or something, you can do battle ropes. I guess that's, that's an option, but, um, yeah. Um, so we got, that. we've got the CNS, we've got the potential to overtrain, uh, which could lead to muscle loss. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's harder. Um, I think those are the three main 
negatives of hit cardio. Um, and yeah. like I said before, um, if you're someone who hasn't been sprinting for two years uh, and you chose to do sprints, you're probably highly likely going to at least if you don't tear something, you're going <laughs> to at least pull something and be out of the gym for a while. Um, so I do no sprinting. Like my knees don't feel great anymore. I weigh more than my body wants me to weigh. I played soccer at a buck 35, 140 in college. You know, 200 pounds is not what my joints at 42 wants. You've got to be smart here and pick another way to uh, attack the hit cardio. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to like kind of our recommendations because I'll probably forget. But to me, it hit and steady state both. I like to tell my clients, I'm like, listen, if you haven't been doing any, which my clients, and I'll talk about that, they don't do any leading up to starting preps so their body's not yep. used to it. I'm like, start off riding the bike for your fucking steady state. Start off doing, start off doing something that you can get your heart rate to where you want, and it's hard. But don't start off with the hardest fucking thing that there is. Don't go do car pushes for hit to start because then when you get used to that, where are you going to go? Or like you said, you're going to get injured. You're going to get injured. Yeah. So, um, all right, dude. So that all right. Here's the fun part. Let's talk about the application. I want to kind of tell this crazy story. And I think you and I have talked about this before because we've been places like at the summit where people ask the cardio question. We all just kind of like, oh, fuck, here we go. Um, like like a couple of years ago because we know it's a can of worms. I, I've told this story multiple times, but once I started to find all this information out, it was 2013 to 2015. I had around 100 people hit the stage and I've got record of all this because I keep every client of mine that gets on stage, I put their picture on the Facebook album on on my Team Gorman Facebook page. And it's just something I've always done and I still do. And it allows me to keep track of how my clients place. I like to show people what I do as a coach, but I also have all their records, right? So I started to compile all this stuff. And from 2013 to 2015, I had around a hundred clients hit the stage. Only three of those clients did steady state cardio at all. So what I did was, is I was like, fuck this. I'm going to try something radical. I'm going to take my clients and they're only going to do hit cardio and zero steady state. And I did that for two years. And here's the interesting thing that I thought that I saw. And by the way, 2013 to 2015, I had probably half assisted, half natural. So this kind of speaks to both sides of it, but I didn't have any of the big, big guys, right? I didn't have a heavyweight or bigger at the time. So like smaller, smaller guys, like light heavyweights and under, um, here's what I saw. I would diet some of the same people over and over, natural or assisted, you know, from 2011, maybe I prepped them and then I prepped them in 2013. I saw their stage weight went up. Um, So for a natural competitor, that to me translates to they held on to more muscle, kind of like what we talked about earlier, because natties, you don't see a lot of stage weight go up, but I'm, I'm talking about like three to four to five pounds that it was up. And that, to me, didn't translate to them having just an amazing off-season where they're adding slabs of muscle. To me, it was losing less muscle during the prep when they did more hit. And an average ending hit for my clients was like three days a week, probably 10 to 12 intervals. That was an average at the end because they weren't doing any other cardio. Um, You know, some people I had them doing, like you said into your show, like I was having them do it five days a week for like the last few weeks. And it was brutal. Some people I had them doing 15 intervals. Like it was really hard. I pushed it. I had to see what would work. And so I also, not only did I notice their stage weight going up, their placings were better. They were leaner than they were before. 
and they were able to eat more food, which definitely made them happy. And that to me told me, I'm like, you know what? They're a little bit more depleted. I can feed them more. It's like they're training more in the gym, but maybe their metabolic rate staying up more due to the spike in metabolism, the afterburn that we get from HIT. And I was like, man, this is really, really interesting. So I did that. And that's, that's what I saw. And that's when I knew HIT was the real deal. But then I also saw a lot of my clients, they would, they would um, struggle to actually really, really do it. And those were the people that I had to put on like five days a week, you know, towards the end because they weren't giving max effort. Yep. And I did want to tell that story. And, you know, there, there's a little give and take there. Um, what do you think about that, man? I mean, is that, that pretty interesting to you? I mean, it's not, a, I don't do that now. There's no way I do that now. I kind of mix it half and half. But it was pretty interesting to see that. I, I guess like I would say that the people that manage cortisol cortisol genetically better would do very well on that type of program. And because it turns on protein synthesis, and I'm sure you you managed well their their training volume, I could totally see that. I'm curious though, thinking back, did you have a lot of women who either had terrible rebounds after because their hormones were shot or just could not get in shape because their cortisol was so high? So I, I did have a few, um, and, and I don't mean a few, I, out of a hundred, I, I couldn't tell you. I did have some bikini girls. Um, yeah. And I guess if anyone struggled on that plan, it was definitely the women and knowing what we know now, um, especially thanks to a lot of the stuff you've put out we know natural women are the ones that get hit the hardest. Um, and I probably definitely had them overreach. So I, I did have, I did have bikini girls that I just couldn't seem to get there. Um, my assisted females, like especially in figure and stuff like that, not a problem. Probably get, yep. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah, They were all fine. But if I had most of my natties, um, were usually natty, were uh, natty bikini competitors, probably some figure girls too. Now that I think back, um, trying to rack my brain cause I can't remember everybody, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it makes sense cause cortisol for a natty had to be through the roof. Right. Um, but in a lot of my natties, I saw a lot of improvement too. So it was, it was definitely, yes. it was interesting. It, because it was what different. I'm finding is many people, it's so varied on, on how well they metabolize cortisol. Like we are not created equal in that realm, just like we aren't created equal in, in all the other types of things. Some people get cholesterol issues. Some people get insulin sensitivity issues. So those people that just do not metabolize well, it's just a bad strategy. But the people that do, I could definitely see it being the exact results that you, that you said. You know what? Looking back to the three people I did have to do steady state with, they were they were natural figure competitors. Now that I yep. think back to it, that makes sense because to get in the natural world to be a figure girl, you're peeled. Like you're literally damn near bodybuilding lean. Like not cross cross durations, but you're lean lean back then. Um, that makes sense. I had to have them right. add on top of that, so it definitely right. makes a lot of so sense. So if we could come up with a test that tells you if you're a good cortisol metabolizer it'd be a lot easier to pick cardio for people, but we don't always have that, that, that info, you know, but, but once I do have to run labs on people and I'm finding that of people that are with me long term, especially it's more female. Um, when we push, they almost always, their cortisol rises. So that's when I have to strategize and figure out how to balance all that out with cortisol resets and, you know, sometimes pulling hit out of there and, and things like that nature. So you're tinkering a lot more with those people. 
Um, and it can be kind of maddening as a coach, but now that we understand what's going on, it's at least something that we can, that we can handle and tackle. Man, I wish I had Cordy's back in the day. Right. Have, uh... <laughs> no doubt. I've made the same mistake, brother. <laughs> no shit. Same mistake. It would have been so good. Um, so let, let's talk about, um, our starting recommendations for both steady state and hit, because we do yeah. have a lot of coaches that listen to the show or people that do their own preps. So Jason kind of walk, let's, let's, I guess let's cover steady state first. If you've yeah. got, you know, Joe or Melissa starting with you and they've, you know, they've got 15, 20 pounds to lose. Yeah. They're not doing any cardio. Well, I guess let's start off. Do you, if you can get someone in the off season, do you have them pull their cardio before they start prep? Do you have them already doing cardio? Kind of what's your protocol so to get them ready? I, I think as a coach, I like to keep my people probably a little leaner than the next guy. And so I do keep a little cardio in, um, generally. If I can pull it, great. Um, but I don't like to have, you know, love handles, you know, peeking over the, you know, the suit straps and all these different things. So I would rather keep someone a little leaner and not have to diet them as long. And so I do keep a little cardio in. So, so a lot of times coming into, uh, even if I have my hands on someone, they might be on like, two sessions of 20 minute list walking post-workout and one by five hit maybe for females, not always, but like generally speaking, that might be where they come into prep. Um, and then I just add a little bit from there and I, you know, my most biggest adjustment going into prep will be a bigger pull on food. I might not even touch the cardio. I might just leave that base and just start pulling food and, and then go from there. But I like to keep people a little leaner I think than probably some other people um, assuming that ever, labs and everything are good but I'm looking at those so um, but yeah I, I don't have them on zero but I get I get why you do that I like get it, it makes sense as long as someone can stay in a good body fat striking distance yeah for sure so if, if you're going to start somebody out on how many how many days of steady state generally would you recommend if, just if someone came to me and I don't know anything about them um, and they look like you know they're not on the gifted side of metabolism, I am going to start with cardio right away. So, you know, I'll find out what their food intake was and maybe I'll pull 250 calories from food. And then maybe I'll add like three, uh, two to three, uh, 20 minute fasted lists. And then maybe one by five, uh, hit post-workout would be where I would, where I would start with someone. So I'm, I'm trying to get like, you know, around 250 pulled from diet around 250 from the cumulative effect of cardio, um, per day on average, if I can, um, those aren't exact numbers, obviously I understand. Um, but that's just where I'm, my, my thinking is and how I generally do something. Yeah. And the reason why I want to get this out is because a lot of people don't know, and they'll just fucking start with a bunch. Like they'll start right. doing 30 it's minutes seven, every fucking yeah. day, seven by 30 right away. Yeah. And there was a time that I was taught that way. And I did that Me and too. I keep carbs higher and, and it, It'll work, but again, you're going to end up with two hours of lists if you start out at seven by thirty. So, yeah, I, dude, I'm pretty close to you. Um, about four weeks out, and I'm like you. I like to keep my folks leaner because one, it makes their prep easier. I don't have mm -hmm. to fucking kill them. I don't have to stress the fuck out either. So, like, I'm picky with clients when they come to me. They come to me really fat. I'm I'm not probably not the coach for them. So, like, whenever I get somebody in the off season, I I set them up. Like, I make sure they're ready, and you know, my goal, if I can, is to pull their all their cardio out four weeks out. And I do that for, for the simple reason of I don't want because they're doing it all off season. I've got my folks doing, you know, a couple of days of cardio in the off season just to try and stay leaner. And I pull it about four weeks out so their body is unused to the cardio. 
And then when we go to start prep, I'm just like you, I, I, I make that pull in carbs, usually pull that pull carbs out, uh, you know, 250, 300 calories, whatever. And then I'll add in, you know, usually I'll, it'll be one day of hit and then I'll do like three days of like 15 minutes of miss cardio, usually before or after workout. I let people choose where they like to do it. Uh, usually after workouts is what most people do. 130 heart rate. And then I, I kind of go from there. So they're doing three days of miss and like one day of hit, usually on their high carb day. I try and pair it up there. Um, but that's, that's just my thinking. I've never really had too much of a problem with that, but I noticed, you know, I'd have people doing four days of cardio in the off season and then I'd start their prep and their body was yeah. so used to that. It yeah. was like, fuck man, no wonder I'm having to get their cardio. Yeah. Spot. I mean, it totally makes sense. I mean, once you start with something, that's your baseline. So just know that that's what I think our listeners need to know. Like whatever you come into prep with, you're not really gonna be able to pull it. Like your body is adapted to it. You're going to have to keep that and that's your base. So pull back as much as you can. And so, you know, I get why you drop it four weeks prior. Um, and if, is that work pretty good and people aren't putting on two or three pounds of fat? Because if they are, you're losing two weeks anyways. That's yeah. So, my- yeah. And I have a heart heart with them. I'm like, Hey, I want you to think about this. And I know my clients are smiling right now because I've sent this email to them. I said, this is a soft, this is a soft launch to your prep, you know, kind of like yeah. a business has a soft launch, like a soft opening. Yeah. Like this is, this is kind of a, a soft launch to your prep. I want you to, your diet is perfect right now Yeah, because yeah. I'm going to pull your cardio and this is, this is step one. Like we're yeah. going to drop cortisol. We're going to let your body chill and recover. Yeah. Or we're going to do a D de- I even do a deload week the week before prep starts if I can, yeah. where they take four or five days off and they just train a couple of times. And I really just kind of set their body up to be able to push yeah. Um, but I have that heart heart and I tell them, don't, don't get fat on me because I don't right. want to spend the first two weeks of prep trying to unfuck that. Just, yeah. Undoing what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. So for you, what do you like to start out people on for hit? I, I usually start people on one day of hit five intervals on their high carb day. Are you doing around that too? Yeah, but I don't have it on their high carb day. Like anymore, um, I'm doing cortisol resets and most of my women on their high carb days aren't doing a damn thing. Um, they're taking cortisol every three to four hours, uh, and resting. That's it. And I'm resetting cortisol big time and setting them up for the push for the week. So I'm doing hits on other days. Um, and I let them pick, but I'm exactly with you. It's usually one by five and usually 15 seconds, uh, because they just don't have the cardio capacity to be going to 30 with an all out push. Um, and then I'll set it up maybe for like 15 on and a minute off, something like that. Right. What about your people that you're going to start prep with? Like they're in a healthy state, cortisol resets are done, insulin sensitivity is good. Are you, are you pairing up your hit on certain days or, or do you just let them kind of pick? No, I let them pick. Um, but I do tell them that, you know, like their rest days, like if I want them completely gone, rested, I give those specific instructions. But otherwise, I let them take their days for their hit. Right. And obviously it works well because your clients are fucking peeled. Like you never put someone on stage that I see and I'm like, fuck, they should have been five pounds leaner. So this is, this is an important point to make. Like, even though we differ on what I'm about to say, it doesn't matter because apparently it's coming out in the wash. Maybe sometimes I tend to overthink, but I'm kind of that person. So I put, I put the hit cardio on their high, their high carb day. So like if a guy's doing, you know, if he's dieting on 200 carbs and he gets a high carb day of 300, right. To start, I'm going to put the five hit in right there because it helps deplete glycogen. It helps make room. I want to try and boost his metabolism right there because he's having higher calories that day. So I, I think about it from that, that standpoint, it's never really kind of failed me and went wrong. Um, 
does it really matter in the end? Maybe not. Um, I think for men, that's a great strategy. Um, I'm finding for women, that's going to be hit or miss because you really need those rest days with women. Like the way they build up cortisol and prep, like I'm just seeing way too much lab work. Um, and so I'm really having to come up with new protocols here. And so, you know, I would just say to you, um, if you have a female who's struggling, maybe consider not doing her hit on her, her carb day, let her body fill up and rest and really get that cortisol down and use it on another day where she can push and then save those refeed days. That's just what I'm finding in, in my labs. Yeah. I, I can, I can definitely um, see that. And it's also one of those things too. If you think about how hard hit is, if you're having one high carb day a week, maybe it's Sunday, by the time you get to Sunday towards the end of prep, like you're dragging, dragging, you're probably going to get a better hit session in if you do it the day after If you do oh, it on yeah. Monday, your bike is loaded. So, I mean, that, oh. Yeah. And I think by then your epoch's still cranking. I mean, right. um, you know, I, yeah, I, 100% in my opinion. Um, but like I said, I'm just looking at so much lab work and I'm just seeing this and it's like, man, I just fixed you and now your cortisol's back up to 20 already. But, right. you know, she's back to training five days a week. You know, the governor's off that. Like, and I would have like my, my, you know, my high day and I would want them to train and I'd want them to do hits and I would do all these things. I'm like, man, I, I'm just not getting enough days in here where I'm getting this cortisol that it can come down. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at in that. And I, and I tell my clients, a lot of my females, I'm like, I'm still kind of trying to figure out how this works best. Like a few of my girls are so slammed after five days of like low days, you know, and they do get their two high days to do nothing, but I'm worried. So with them, I'm doing like three days of pushing, say lower cows, and then they rest completely do the cortisol reset, two more days of training low, and then they hit another uh, cortisol reset. So I don't know. I'm still playing with things, man. I don't have it all ironed out. But um, yeah, I've been pulling. I don't have my hits really um, on on high days anymore. I like it, man. I like it. It's it's always making me think, and I know you're the same way. There's yes. always there's always going to be one tiny little 2% you know, change that can really help somebody out. So that's yeah. interesting. Let's Especially uh, for those ones that just don't metabolize cortisol well. Like the other people, I, I don't think it matters, you know, but those are the ones that I'm getting my hands on most now. Um, and that's why they have a lot of the problems they have. Let's, let's talk about something interesting. This is, you wanted me to plug this into the notes. So I kind of saved it for the yeah. end. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about natural versus assisted then, cause we're going yeah. long here, but it's a yeah, good episode. Um, Let's talk about cycling in and out um, of hit and steady state. You yeah. wanted to talk about cycling in and out yes. of steady state, some issues there. Go ahead and go ahead and talk. Yeah. To us. So, you know, I was finding, and this goes back to what I was just speaking on earlier, you know, people that just don't metabolize cortisol well and it builds too quickly. Um, I was finding that, you know, I'm able to push hit on people for a bit but don't be afraid as a coach or even prepping yourself to pull it for a week or two and put in more steady state. So I might have someone on three hits and let's say it's up to 10 um, intervals and they're doing some fasted lists. I might drop all that hit and then put them on uh, four by 30 walks post-workout, something like that, and still keep the morning lists, but go to all – list light intensity steady state for a week or two and i usually get a really nice response where the body um lets go of more fat so don't be afraid to push and pull in that 
uh, way as well. I do it all the time. No, I think that's a great point. And, and, you know, since I'm doing, you know, all hit and miss, you know, medium intensity, I've got a a lady now she's up in Chicago and she's probably listening to the show. I just, for a whole week, like her body is just stuck at 142. And I mean, dude, we've been stuck here like seven fucking weeks and she's only got like three pounds to go in her body. I know her cortisol is high. She's, she's just getting at that, that really hard point to break. I've got her down to like 1300 calories. And, you know, I'm like, you know what you've been pushing, you've been doing 45 minutes a day um, of, of medium intensity. You would train it six days a week and I've got two days of hit in there. It, you know, like, dude, I've got her up at the end. Like she's doing 13 fucking yeah. hit. It's only at the end. And, and I know when I push somebody that far, I know I can pull it right out. So um, I pulled 100% of her cardio out and I actually fed her. And I can't remember, like maybe an extra 30 or 40 carbs a day. And I told her, I was like, listen, you have to nail your diet perfect right now. And if you do this perfect, your cortisol will drop. You might even you might even just start dropping. We didn't have to add cardio back in. Like that's some unicorn shit if that happens. But right. But it does sometimes. Right. And I told her, like, no matter what, we've got to give your body a break. Guess what? She didn't gain a damn pound. Um, She was right at 141, 142 today when she checked in. And I reintroduced cardio back in, took her back to her normal diet, you know, dropped those 30 or 40 carbs that I added. And now what I expect to see is, is a fresh body and her to go right back and try and drop and get these last three to four pounds off. And it, to me, it's kind of the same thing as what you said, and it's because I'm using medium intensity steady state yeah. and hit to where I can't really sub. I, I mean, I guess I could sub some lists in, but oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've just been dropping it completely. Um, so I don't know, man. Like you, you've given me some good stuff to think about. Um, let's talk about the natural versus assisted yeah. side of this, and, yeah. and and then we'll wrap it up because we have gone long. There, there's a big difference, man, a big yes. difference. And I think everybody's kind of picked that up on the show when it comes to this. Um, is there anything that you want to say on the natural versus enhanced side? If you think about our listeners out there that are thinking, so which one's going to be best for me? Which one should right. I try? What do you have anything that you want to pass along to that side? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you're natural, in my opinion, um, you're going to want to tend to a little bit more lists and, and that's my opinion. Um, but we're going to sprinkle in hit cardio. So I have no problem with working up to three or four sessions of five intervals, but I will never probably get to 15 on a natural. Um, that's just me. Um, and you know, why does, why does it all have to be managed more with a natural? Well, again, uh, we've talked about on the show, um, as naturals diet, testosterone drops, cortisol is going up. It's an inverse relationship. Um, someone who's enhanced, that testosterone is not dropping, or at least the, the androgen uh, input is not dropping. If it's a female on, on, on VAR or something along those lines, that's going to keep cortisol from building as high. Because when you know the androgen, the testosterone can stay up, it's going to blunt cortisol from 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 rising as, as much. So, you know, you've got to balance it all out. So that's why I'm saying a natural might want to prep, um, on, you know, a little bit more list that said, um, you know, there's ways to metabolize the cortisol. Our cortis works beautifully. Ashwagandha is an amazing adaptogen. Um, you know, cycling your hits in and out. I'm not saying as a natural, you couldn't do two to three weeks of all hit to kick off a prep when calories are higher and then maybe settle in 
So there's ways you can push and pull. Just make sure that you know if you're pushing, there better be a pullback with your natural more so than if you're um, enhanced. So that would be my my take on it. Yeah, man, and that's that's one of the things too. Like, you want to know how to be able to do more hit and keep cortisol down? Well, fucking HRT or running a cycle of of, of tests. Like, that's just. I mean, that's we just don't see it hit the assisted athletes as hard. And to me, it's it's because they can handle more training volume, which is really kind of what hit is, like you said earlier. And they can they can handle, you know, stuff that's just going to crush the CNS and lead to overreach. They just seem to handle it a lot better. I mean, it makes makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's just it's just one of those things. Any other final thoughts that you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I think we've uh, pretty covered this one pretty in depth, really. Yeah, man, there, there was one thing I did want to go back and say. One of the benefits to hit now that we're sitting here thinking about it and then we can wrap up is your body doesn't seem to adapt to it as fast. Like I have a lot of clients that can get by on the five hit that they start and I might move them to two days of hit and they yeah. finish their prep of 20 weeks and they may maybe do seven hit intervals twice a week. Because your body just doesn't – it does like steady state, you adapt to it every two or three weeks. you got to add another five minutes or whatever. Um, man, hit, I just – I'm not adding a ton to my clients. Uh, very, very rare like this lady I just talked about when her body's being stubborn. I'll keep adding, keep adding, but I know I'm going to pull it back. Um, I mean, are you seeing a lot of your folks finish off with, with what I would consider a little bit lower hit of, you know, less than eight intervals? Um, you mean towards the end of prep? Yeah, that, what I'm saying is you're not having to you're not having to get it real high. Like you, you're seeing no, a lot go I, I'm a long not, And I agree with you. I don't I don't think the body adapts to it as well. Um, and and I just kind of have a, a rule anymore. I just I try not to go above ten per session. Um, and it seems to be working pretty well for me. And you know I'm, I adjust other variables because I feel like there's just a threshold. Um, and when it gets to kind of basically. Um, just cause more negatives than positives for me. Yeah, man. Okay, guys, if you would, this is a great time to hit pause. Leave us a review. Um, screenshot that and tag us. We're going to be doing some more cool stuff. Where we'll do some giveaways. Jason Iron talks about that. Um, but that's it for the show. This was a fun show for myself and Jason. We're out of here. Thanks, guys.